Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Aladna Harai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Okay, and welcome back to HivriaCast. I'm Rifkana Harai, and I'm here today with Anita Sobel. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, so how would you primarily describe yourself as? Whoa. Um, <laughs> can you describe it? <laughs> um, I would say... From what I know of you, yeah, um, animation. Okay, um, I, w- I guess I'm not sure of the term, like graphic designer. Well, in the end, they're all terms. So, right, yeah, I dabble in those things and I get labeled that. So I guess it's legitimate to use those words. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess illustration. Now that we've established that, you know, <laughs> I'm not necessarily top tier of anything. Um, I guess animation, graphic design, illustration. Um, and urban chicken farmer. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, that's big. Yeah, mom. Yeah, that stuff. But the creative side uh-huh. of this is, yeah, the first three. Cool. Is there kind of a term that you would like to call yourself more in terms of creatively? Um, um, not really. I kind of feel like those get in the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So, um I'd love for, you said that you have some new project coming up, so I'd love for if you want to um, share what this kind of new new thing is in your life. Um, we could do that now, or we could do it at the end, or... What do you feel? We could, we could um, do it now. Segway. Well, I mean, it's return. just... Yeah, I think, I think we should do it at the end, because it's, okay. a very, it's the very beginning of a project, so okay. I'm excited about it, yes, okay. but... Um, you know, it, it's it's still at the very beginning stages, so yeah. I'd like to kind of invite everybody to participate or whoever wants to at the end. Okay. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's a way to, like, with, yeah. bring everyone in. But I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you guys better listen all the way through. Um, so, yeah, let's, like, go into the life of Anita Sobel, if you're ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Um, where did it begin? Like, your creativity, your... When did you first consider yourself um, a creative person? When did you start to be like, oh, this is my what I want to dedicate a lot of my right. time to? Um, I think like a lot of kids, um, I mean, most kids start out drawing and then somewhere down the line they decide they're not good enough or it's, or, you know, or their interest changes. A lot of times it's just, you know, they, they decide that they're not good enough. But um, I was pretty good as a kid. Um and I guess I, I had parents that, you know, supported that and decided early on that I was creative and artistic. And um, and they also, uh, which was atypical for Russian parents, they also decided that I shouldn't go to, that, I, that they, they didn't want to ruin me was the term that they used, um, which kind of meant that they didn't want to overeducate me because they, mm-hmm. um, in that area, because they liked what I was coming up with on mm-hmm. my own. Um and um, as far as, like, when did I decide that I was a creative person, um, it's not to say that it was decided for me, but I wasn't a super social kid. I'm not a super social kid now either. <laughs> but um, but the point was that being able to um, draw or create stuff was kind of my, you know, my entry point. So I held it very dear to me because that was kind of like – what I had. That was my golden ticket towards my communication with everyone. Um, so I think that was, I think that was kind of when I decided that it was, you know, that I was a creative person, so to speak. Um, 
What yeah. age do you think that was? Um, early. Like, we immigrated to the States when I was five. So I think prior to that, I, I realized that I was... I don't know if I realized that I was awkward or just that life in general was hard. <laughs> um, and I think it is hard for, like, a lot of people, you know, but... Um, you don't have to be awkward for it to be hard, but <laughs> but um, but when we when we immigrated to the states, that was like a whole new level of awkward, um, because you know I didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was actually a, a big thing. I'm trying to think of my that was A, and I'm trying to think of my B, and I can't think of it. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot that comes with just you know yeah being um, being in a new country with no language and you know, parents that are trying to figure it out and nobody's really saying this is how it is. This is what you do to fit in. Everybody's just like, we're here. Everything's new. We're probably going to make it, but (laughs) you know, wow, just hang in there kind of thing. Was Um, it just you or you have siblings? Yeah. At that point it was just me. I, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So. How long did it take you to learn English? Um, I think mentally I learned things pretty quickly, but I don't want to put it into practice for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a couple of years before I decided that I would speak it. Wow. I think, you know, I, I walked around understanding everything, um, but I didn't sort of engage with other people for a really long time. Wow. And you were in New York or you were? Yeah, we actually were in New York. Yeah. So this is kind of home base. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like what part of New York? Um, we were in Washington Heights. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you had two years when you were kind of isolated. Yeah. Um, I can't say that all of a sudden it became a party animal once I started talking <laughs> to people. <laughs> um, it but was, you weren't like really. It was more like, oh, yeah. she speaks. <laughs> it wasn't like a. Wow. I was wondering what you were going to say. It wasn't like that. It was literally like, oh, she speaks. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was isolated. Wow. And in what time did your creativity come? And it was like in this period that you really started tapping into? Well, because it was something that I had the whole time. Uh I mean, you know, a pencil and a paper is not hard to come by, you know. Um, It wasn't too different. Pencils and papers are not too different in America compared to how they are in Russia. Right. So that was kind of, um, you know, the, the pipeline that, you know, went from one place to the other. So... Um, again, it wasn't so much that I discovered creativity. I can't say that it was like all of a sudden I discovered his value because I knew it was valuable even, mm-hmm. even when, um, we were somewhere else. Um, but here was when, um, because we weren't, we didn't uproot ourselves again. Like here, here we are, you know, many, many, many years later and we're still in the New York area. So really, um, that was like the biggest upheaval um, as far as physical location goes. And, um, and because um, basically we stayed location wise, we stayed steady. Um, I was able to kind of, you know, develop the details. One of the details being like, okay, Mm -hmm. the creative part, so to speak. Um, And, uh, but as far as its value, I think it was just always there for me. Um, Mm -hmm. so were you known as like, oh, like as you're six years old and you're not really talking with anyone, people are like, oh, Anita's so good at drawing. Let's ask her to draw something, even if you, they didn't actually communicate with you otherwise. Like, did you have that relationship? Yeah, I was always the quote unquote artist. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and so then did you go to school, like college for that? No, I didn't. Um, I also just wanted to say that the quote, like 
some a couple of my kids are autistic now, and um, I realize now when they my kids come home and they're like, everybody's just making me make princesses. That's all I've made for the past year. Yeah. They call me an artist, but it's all princesses. Right. And I realized that I was like fortunate enough to be asked to draw some really weird things and it was never princesses. So I don't know if it was like the time <laughs> or what, but I feel very fortunate. You're saying that um, your friends or your, the people, your classmates right. asked you to draw like yeah. weird things. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that was because they thought I was weird and they wanted to see like <laughs> what I could come up with. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> do you remember in particular anything they asked you to do like aliens or? Well, I started out in like a from school. So mm -hmm. the requests there are all filtered as, as are other things. <laughs> so there were, you know, like it started out with just like animals and mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. And then I went to a conservative day school and then I think the request became slightly more extravagant. <laughs> um, so, you know, we went from, you know, witches and, and people in like specific scenarios and, and, and yeah, I mean, monsters and dragons are always, like, good um, because that, you know, is very free form. Yeah. Um, and some of them were really bad. I didn't do a good job with them at all, but because I had the artist title, it was like anything goes. Wow. <laughs> but as far as college, yeah, yeah. Um, I did not major. I took a few um, art classes, but I didn't major in art. Um, I mean, my parents were paying, which I guess is standard, but um, for that reason, they also got to pick the major and the practical major <laughs> was yeah. computer science so uh -huh. uh, yeah I, I got a BS in computer science it was really really tough for me probably um uh yeah of just uh I mean it was it was during like the tech you know the internet mm -hmm. boom and and you know jobs are practically guaranteed a yeah. year a year later they were totally not but wow. <laughs> but yeah. um so that was kind of the point um because I wasn't really ready to, you know, explore and commit myself to um, finding myself as an artist or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a guaranteed job was good. So I started out as, um, I started out with coding and, and um, I, I didn't do design for a really long time. I literally mm -hmm. started out as sort of like a low-end programmer. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I um, migrated to design and then eventually towards actually being an illustrator. Mm, so in college you made that transition? No, that transition, the illustration uh, transition okay. was, yeah, that was over like the course of like 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that felt right. Um, well, we can, okay, this is not going to be a chronological podcast, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, basically, when I, was, when I was programming, I think the thing, um, as far as what could I take away from that, uh, as far as useful skills that I've obtained that I now use as an illustrator, um, or my creative journey, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, was, was getting kicked in the butt really, um, because I got criticized for, you know, um, my competence for, um, not checking things and mm. so forth. And, um, now, um, when I do freelance for clients, it's very weird that they're very shocked that I actually like respond to them, that I actually check things, that I actually mm -hmm. do what I say that I'm going to do. So um, that came in handy because apparently, according to them, a lot of artists that they work with don't. Mm. And um, so you're saying you learned that from being a, a programmer? Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. from the way I was treated from about right, being right, a programmer. Right. Um, and, um, you know, when graphic design just 
I don't I don't know that I was ever like great at it, but um, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. um, in between my transition from a programmer to a graphic designer, um, I was working in a place where everybody seemed genuinely miserable, mm-hmm. and everybody was kind of like not under like looking over their shoulder, not understanding why they were being asked to do what they did, but. Um, there was a group of maybe like 20 people, creative directors, programmers, uh, you know, intermediary um, bosses, um, uh, mid-level management, tons of that. And um, and at a certain point, it was almost like, like a coup where everybody was deciding, like, we don't want to work here anymore. Let's find out what everybody's strengths are. <laughs> We're just going to, like, talk about it. Yeah. Um, and literally, it was happening while the main boss's door was closed. And as soon as it, it was funny. As soon as the door opened, everybody went back to the ran back wow. to their seats. But anyway, somebody mentioned to me um, or asked me what I wanted to do, and I was just like, "Well, I draw. I do this. I do that." And he recommended, really offhandedly, that I go intern with um, Milton Glaser, mm-hmm. who's um, the guy that did the "I Love New York" logo. I mean, that's sort mm-hmm. of like his most famous thing, but he's pretty famous in design circles. I didn't know who he was. Um, they told me they're really nice there. This is how like, like just <laughs> low key it was. Um, and, uh, so really strictly because I didn't know any better. I called and I asked for an interview and I went for an interview and I Did got accepted. Did you know there was any openings or you just? No. I mean, not... I looked them up obviously, yeah. you know, and, um, no, I asked if I could come in or if they're looking for anybody. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I didn't just barge in. I, I had done things like that in the past, and I found out that that was not the way to do things. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, that was, I have to say, that was a huge eye-opener. Um, I mean, to see how, you know, a professional studio is run. Also to see how unprofessional, un- quote-unquote unprofessional it is, in the sense that in a lot of ways everybody's winging it. Mm-hmm. Um um, after I finished my four-month internship in the actual studio, um, I showed Milton Glazer my um, portfolio, and he told me that I needed a lot of help with typography. And I was like, okay, because I had no pretensions about, pretensions about like what I was capable of. And he sent me um, for some classes in SVA, and um, like he paid for them. Yeah, wow. um, and. Uh, I went to these classes and where there was this one class that um, I can't remember. I'm really embarrassed because I'm really bad with names and I can't remember um, this guy's, I think it was Edward Bengat. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that created Edwardian script, which is like a standard um, typeface on a lot of, mm-hmm. very elegant typeface on a lot of whatever, just come standard. Um, but the point was, I remember going to this class and I remember the instructor recounting, you know, how he got started. And it was basically that he was at one point starving, had no place to live, but he had this capability of just, you know, doing calligraphy and doing typefaces. And it didn't really have a label for him yet, but he essentially just hustled and did gigs here and there. And eventually he got one gig that paid him enough that um, after he got that gig, all of a sudden he had a place to live and he could afford a car and all of a sudden everything changed. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden my concept of like, wait, to be an artist, you have to study, you have to know this, you have to know people, etc. It just vanished. Mm. I had learned a little bit of that yeah. in 
when I was interning inside Milton Glaser Studio, but somehow that kind of cemented it. I was like, nobody knows what they're doing. Right, 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 right. Right? So, um, I mean, I've seen that repeated over and over again since then, but it's sort of, sort of like, you know, when you know what to look for, you see it that much more often. Right. But at that moment, I was like, hey, nobody knows what they're doing, and I also don't know what I'm doing, right. <laughs> so it's all or, okay. Yeah, I think it's also um, like sometimes that everyone knows something, yeah. but not every like it's not that you have to like sometimes people are like, oh, I have to take a certain amount of classes before I'm an artist. But there's so many people that do say that. I do think that. Right. No, 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 no. Not yeah. that it's a bad thing. I guess yeah. it's just how you learn. Yeah. But, but I feel like every artist knows something. Yeah, absolutely. But also knows not a, everything. Knows a few things. Right. Yeah. Continue. Right. Yeah. So I think that, um, yeah, and after that, it was kind of like any kind of attempt or effort is fair game. As long mm. as I'm not, um, That's such a good feeling. Yeah. It was really good. A quote to live by. Um so, I mean, it's not fair game if I'm, like, torturing my family, which I did do some of that. But <laughs> Because? Well, like, um, the way I got into illustration or became, you know, more officially an illustrator was I, I was I was working as a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started getting, you know, side jobs doing illustration. And I started getting more and more side jobs. So, basically, I do, I do my part-time job. You know, I'd come home. I'd pick up my kids. I'd be kind of working while they were home. Then after they went to bed, I'd go to sleep for like three or four hours and I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning, work again till six o'clock. And basically, you know, you can't be a nice person when you're treating yourself that way wow. physically. So how long did you do that for? Um, I probably did that for a couple of years. Wow. Yeah. How old were your kids at the time? They were little. They were really little. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they, they didn't, I don't think the sad thing is that you know, like now they're old enough, like when I'm not treating them nicely, they're just like, why are you being so mean? It's really annoying because they're a little too in tune with that. Yeah. And I have to stop. But when they're little, it's almost like they don't, they don't yeah. even realize it's just the status quo. Like that's just how I'm being treated, you know? Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But you realized and yeah. Well, my husband also <laughs> really helped me realize. <laughs> um, so sorry, where, where were we? <laughs> um, so you realized that um, at all fair game. Right, all fair game, yeah. and right. So that transition to being more of, you know, an illustrator was right. Something I had to give, so I I quit my um, part time design job and I started doing like clients full time. Not there's definitely a fair amount of insanity that comes with that anyway. Even yeah, not the part time job, but yeah. So you're saying that by realizing everything's fair game, you realized you got enough confidence to be like, I can just do this. Right, and it wasn't like there yeah. are all these additional steps or additional education that's required before right. I call myself something. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Cool. And I was really struck by, I guess I'm curious of what projects in particular really touch you. You know, like I feel like um, there's a lot of emotion behind your work. You know, even if, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the stuff I saw was like, you know, people were paying you to do something. So it's not like coming just from yourself, even though there's, it's obvious there is also that. Um, so I guess I'm curious of which ones you really enjoy doing and why. Right. Um, well, first thing is that um, I'm sort of wondering whether enjoyed is, is a term that I would use mm-hmm. because... I feel like a lot, a lot of like creativity for me is basically a panic attack. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's not that enjoyable, but it's sort of like, I have to do this, you know, uh-huh. it's kind of like, 
defibrilla defibrillator mode uh-huh where um you know there's just something that absolutely has to happen like the heartbeat <laughs> and um it, whatever you got to do you got to do um so as far as projects um do you feel like that would be different if it was coming from yourself versus like a commissioned well, piece it's funny cuz like i almost take comfort in doing commission pieces mm-hmm. um I don't remember who this quote is from, but like the mind is like a bad neighborhood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I felt very, for a very long time, I felt very, you know, at odds with being in my own head and I just didn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know that. I don't know yet is Mm -hmm. is the answer to that question. Um, I still haven't fully gone there, although Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, starting to. Um, I think part of it just has to do with like not having a studio and not being able to really get in the zone. Cause right. I'm sure you find this also like, you know, you, there's just other people that we're responsible to and, mm-hmm. and time that we can't just take for ourselves. So, um, you know, once the little people come in or they have needs or, you know, they're on, they're on their own life schedule. Like, right. Which so you work from home. To. Yeah. Okay. Um, but even if it didn't work from home, yeah. you know, whatever, it's just, <laughs> I can't, I very often I can't get into the zone. So, yeah, yeah. um, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed my collaboration with Zosha a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they recently asked me to, um, do, um, all their gig posters. I don't know, you know, how long I'm going to be doing it for, but in general, I really am enjoying that collaboration. They're very, what do you, yeah, what do you enjoy about it? Do um, they tell, do they give you direction or? Not much. <laughs> I mean, we do, um, they don't say do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, but I also, ask, like, I also kind of ask people for direction. Mm-hmm. Um, not for direction as in like, like, for example, they'll they'll give me a concept or like I'll ask for a concept and they'll give me a concept and then I'll ask for clarification via like you know a passage mm-hmm. or, or like a piece of writing um and or religious writing um so it's not directionless but they're 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 very easy to work with at least mm-hmm. for me probably for most people that work with them um I think musicians in general tend to be pretty mm-hmm. nice to work with um also, there are just projects that, um, you know, that just flow. So um, I think most projects that I work on, I, I give it 110% mm-hmm. because, or I try to, um, mostly because, like, when it's out there, nobody's, I mean, everybody, you know, says this, but um, when your work is out there, nobody looks at it and thinks about the circumstances under which it was made. Right. Like, there's just like, I like it, I don't like it, you know, so it makes sense to just make it as good as you can at the time without, you know, killing yeah. yourself. Um, have you ever, um, have you ever gotten like really negative feedback from the person you're, you're doing it for where they're, you think it's great and they're like, no, this is not working. Um, not really. I feel kind of pretentious saying that. <laughs> um, not really. I think partially because I set them up in the beginning to say, you know, by saying something along the lines of, um, I want to make sure that, I'm seeing what you're seeing mm-hmm. um, or that, you know, what I understand is what you want me to understand about this project. So I think as soon as somebody, anybody um, comes off as, you know, wanting to do their job well, then mm-hmm. those defenses that cause, you know, hatred or dismissiveness <laughs> or whatever just kind of go away for the most part. Right. Um, so, 
yeah, I started trying to tame my clients. <laughs> nice. Ahead of time. I, yeah, have I had like some really small projects where somebody, you know, hired me because they don't know anybody else that does animation? Um, yeah, I've had unpleasant experiences, but I haven't like, I haven't gone too far into that project. Like I, right. I sort of know that if somebody's hiring me because they don't know who else to hire right. and they want something done really quickly, that's, I'm probably not the right person. Like, right. you know, they should, so I usually don't. I have I have the option at this point not to take those jobs. Right. Um, obviously, I didn't always have that option to turn down a job, but yeah. at this point, I do. So. Well, it sounds like you're good to work with. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I was going to say, so I'm kind of curious about what you were saying about personal projects and going into your own head. Yeah, this is this is like... <laughs> Perfect fodder for Hevria. <laughs> Wait, you feel awkward? Let's go there. Yeah. All right. Because <laughs> um. <laughs> I, because part of me is like, I'm thinking about that five year old girl and mm-hmm. how you really connected to, kind of creating, and it seemed like there was a really just a pleasure in it, even though I know it was also just kind of like an identity and stuff like that. So I'm just wondering if you feel like you are tapping back into her at all, and if you feel that's important. You know, to go back right. to that place of like for oneself, and I've had to recently. Um, actually, when we were like the reason we had to reschedule this mm-hmm. podcast was because my father passed away. So um, I've had to sort of you know go back towards doing things for myself simply because um, I didn't I didn't have basically everything else has sort of gone like my mom passed away a while back like more than 20 years ago my dad recently passed away and it's not I didn't realize how much I was doing with them as a reference point Mm. and not that I will altogether stop doing things with them as as a reference point but um there's this newfound you know opportunity to not use them as reference points anymore and um you know, it used to be that, for example, I look a lot like my dad, so I used to, um, you know, walk by a car a window and, um, you know, catch a glimpse of myself. And um, I had a pretty contentious relationship with my father, and I'd, like, catch a glimpse of myself and be like, ah, I have his face. I hope I don't end up being like him. Wow, you know? yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, now it's only my face. It's wow. just my face. And um, so... I am starting to go back to sort of doing things for myself, but I don't I don't really know where that's going to go and I don't really know that um I don't really know that I want to, you know, define myself or decide when I've found myself or um not not because that's necessarily a bad thing, but um like I know, for example, like I know my husband constantly says stuff like, that's just not who I am, or this is who I am. And I'm just like, I don't even know who I am, and I'm okay with that. So, I, yeah, well, I think to me, it's kind of a question more of kind of creative play. Oh, great. I just totally didn't answer your question. Right. <laughs> no, you did 100%. Right. But I'm also curious of what you mean by reference point exactly, you know? Um, right. But to me, it's not like you're going to do a piece of art, you're going to be like, this is who I am, or this is who I'm not, or, or anything right. like that. But um, I think creating is just a sense of play. Like, you know, you just. That's a good point. I really, I really haven't played in a long time. Although I'm sh- like, I, I doubt people see that. I think they do think I'm playing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't, 
like if if I if what I do or create looks like play, it's mostly because I'm trying to figure things out and I don't know how. <laughs> right. Um, which I guess you know is why play is considered important. Um, so yeah, I would definitely like to relax enough to play. Um, as far as what I mean by um, them being my reference point, I think um, for the longest time, even though like both my parents, you know believed in me as an as a creative person um I feel like my mom was a creative person but she was in a lot of pain so like I knew that I didn't want to be that Mm. um my dad was um sort of like an art appreciator Mm -hmm. but when it came to the actual process of or appreciating the process of what goes into creating something he was kind of a jerk about it Mm. (laughs) and um like very critical well, he was critical of, you know, art also, but critical in the sense of he just wouldn't let people be in general. Hmm. So um, if somebody could prove to him why they were doing something, mm-hmm. you know, um, that would be, I guess, somewhat acceptable. Um, the greatest word of acceptance that he's ever, that I ever heard him give was maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like it was never like a yes, mm-hmm. never, obviously never a definitely. It was just... Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards to... Anything. Like, literally anything. Um, and... Obviously, when you're playing um, or creating and you don't know exactly where you're headed, um, it's very hard to prove mm-hmm. anything. Right. right, right. So, he was my reference point in the sense that I feel like for my entire life no matter what I did, no matter what I heard, I would try and figure out a way to prove to Mm. him that it was worthwhile. Right, right. Did I ever succeed? Not really. But I just needed to know that, like, I had that, you know, capacity just in case. Like, in case I was, like, sucker punched somewhere, you know, by by a cynic, (laughs) I'd be like, wait, but I got this. What about this? (laughs) You know? Um, So in that sense, he was my my reference point. Right. And um, that took, like, a lot of work and a lot of like stress to to constantly be doing that um but i think it also gave me the ability to possibly um gave me the ability to create work which maybe spoke a little bit more clearly in the Mm -hmm. visual sense um and that's why people say they hire me (laughs) um because i can you know sort of almost translate their message or whatever they want to call it um into visuals Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, sort of like that clarity was like a necessary aspect. Not that I, not that I think that, like, I do think that speech and and art are different languages, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I feel like, you know, they need to speak to each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so it's not to say that everything about my dad was negative. Um, and also after he passed away, I had this very weird, um, moment of like, all the bitterness that I had against him just kind of like evaporated, um, like literally within a half an hour of, of me hearing about it. And, um, yeah. And all of a sudden, like I, I figured out like how much he had given me, including this, including some other stuff. And wow. Yeah. It was pretty amazing actually. So, um, well, yeah, a lot of things are, I guess. (laughs) Um, so yeah, those are, those are, that's what I mean by reference point. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Wow. Breath and MS. 
Shasha and Aaliyah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting, like, how art can be so caught up with um, functionality, right. you know? Of, well, what's the point, you know? And exactly. I'm... Um, I'm teaching high schoolers, but I'm teaching these very, um, it's a school that's very driven, very achievement, and they're pushing themselves like crazy, right? So mm -hmm. then they come to art class, and it's like, well, like, what's the point of this? You know, either right. I'm going to be amazing, and you're going to show me exactly how to be amazing, right. or I'm just going to try to get out of it, try to get an excuse to leave, or, you know, so it's... It's um, it's a, it's a. I realize that I have to kind of give them a reference point of why, what the, what's the point of this? Why are you here? You know, and what did you come up with? It's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, and also what really infuriates them is I don't give them so much direction, which is also kind of my style. Um, like I had a lot of teachers who like were totally laid back, were just like go. You know, so I'm I'm less than that, you know. Okay. Um, I think it was also maybe the time period which I went to school. But um, but um, a lot of times when they ask me, like, should I, what should I do next? What color should I use? I'm like, I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> what do you think? You know, like, go for it. Do something, you know. But I had a conversation with them about davening. Did you go to school? And I said, we can look at this class you know, in art as two things of why you dive in. So like, why do you dive in? Either you do it um, because of reward and punishment, you know, you want to get a good grade, you know, that's, you know, you want something good to happen to you um, in terms of like davening, like I'll dive in because Hashem says so and something good will happen if I do it, you know, or you dive in um, because you want a connection, you know, and you want a sense of wholeness and peace. And, you know, and I said also with art, um, you do art because you want to connect. You want to connect to yourself. You want to connect to your questions. You want to connect to the tangible physical world. You want to connect with beauty, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, but then I had to have another discussion with them about what's that going to look like, you know, because another issue is that they'll come in being like, well, art's supposed to be fun and we're supposed to be happy all the time. Right. And it's supposed to, you know, it's and weird how it's like one or the other, either art is supposed to be fun or it's like, I have to come up with a masterpiece. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But even with the fun, you have to understand that again, it's like davening is that davening is not always fun. Most of the time it's not. Mm -hmm. You show up, you daven and, um, sometimes you feel it. Most times you don't, you know, a lot of different things come up. So, so that the girls have a reference point for when they come in and they're like, disappointed and frustrated and you know and all these different emotions are coming up and it's like yeah that's how it's going to be some days you'll feel great some days you'll be like I don't believe in myself as an artist you know some days you'll that's just what it is you know so I think it's really important to have an idea of what it's supposed to look like for you so like mm -hmm. even if you do take an hour for yourself the, pro the process the process yeah. yeah the experience the reason mm -hmm. why am I doing it but also if you think to yourself, I'm going to take an hour from my busy life to do my own thing, and then you're in this horrible mood while you're doing <laughs> that, you might be like, what's the point of this? But that's right. actually the process, you know? That so, really cool. um, yeah. That's great. I was trying for a really long time to figure out, like, a definition of art that I could mm. um, be happy with, and I think I found one recently. But, you know, for the longest time, it was like, you know, the people that appreciated art or were artists themselves kind of got it. And then, then right. there was the other contingent that just didn't get it. Right. 
and the two tended to like avoid each other. Right. You know, so I was like, there's got to be something. Yeah. You know? um, and I heard somebody say about creativity that creativity is connecting the unconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as art, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure that it works, but I feel that it works for me right now. <laughs> is I think it's um, art, like, is as human as a thing gets. Mm. And I guess that's more probably, you know, the visual or the the tangible arts. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess music and um, performing arts are a little different. Um, Or that definition doesn't quite work for that, but... um, What do you mean by that? Like, as human as it gets. Well, I mean, when you meet people, you're not 100% sure... um, what you like or don't like about them. Some people you're indifferent to. Um, some people you absolutely love, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and I think the intention that gets put into making a piece of art is mm-hmm. not always what somebody else will get from it. But um, I feel when an art, when a piece of art really speaks to somebody, it's um, a lot of times is because they think mm-hmm. <laughs> or feel that... Um, the hum- there is a lot of humanity in it. Mm. Um, not to say that people aren't into, you know, um, you know, artificial, uh, not artificially created. Um, like if there's artificial intelligence that creates art, I'm not saying nobody's interested in it. Right. But generally, um, sort of the art that people create, there is humanity in it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hyper dissect it right now because. <laughs> I'm happy with it right now, and I just want to be, you know, blissfully ignorant for a little bit. <laughs> but, um, but that's what I mean. I hope it makes sense. And if it doesn't, then just leave me out of it <laughs> for now. Okay, <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, because definitions for art are are confusing. I guess the reason, again, like that's probably due to my like whole reference point situation, yeah. like where I just felt like I needed to you define needed it just yeah, yeah, to yeah. connect with yeah the other side. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you know. It's so interesting. Like, um, and I totally want to get to a certain question, but um, where are we at time wise? Time wise, you know, that's a really good question of how to actually track that. It's one thirty, okay. but we started probably around one. Okay, <laughs> we'll see. We probably have another. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Twenty minutes. <laughs> um. So what I was gonna say. Um. So last night I went to a really interesting group crit, which I haven't done in like fifteen years or something. Mm. And it was sculptures, which number one, I'm like not. Uh, Did I didn't. You do that? No, do you no, okay. I don't. No, so I, I felt right away like, what am I going to add to this? Which I didn't actually add. I just kind of listened, but I actually was able to add. But I was humbled and intimidated. Um, but it was interesting because, and this is what I love about crits, which I remember from school, was that like some days there would be a crit and I'd be in front of a painting and I'd be like, I don't know, I'm not responding to this. I don't, you know, but then other people in the class would start saying stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm starting to see what they see and I'm, I'm starting to appreciate it. So yesterday I was like, I'm not really sure like what I'm supposed to do with these sculptures. I don't know how to, how I'm supposed to you know, um, interpret sculptures, you know, these interesting yarn things. I mean, I like the balance. I like the colors. What We spent like a good hour and a half talking about it. About one piece? Um, a group. A, a group. group of pieces. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, and everyone had thoughts and questions and where does she want to go and what does she intend? And and they started to talk about like how, how does it work? Does the, does the person that created it sit there? Yeah, she okay. was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she yeah. doesn't say anything? No, she does. It's not, it's not okay. negative, actually. It's not like people are saying what's wrong. They're just responding to it and asking her questions. Oh, okay, and okay. Yeah. No, I, I guess my question is... Did like, you ever do group crits or no? Sort of. Um, yeah. But it was sort of like on, on the lower end in the sense it was like all, um, you know, students that had just started their art education uh-huh. as opposed to whatever. So yeah. so a lot of the critiques were kind of frivolous. Right, right. Like, <laughs> whatever. Um, but... Um, no, I mean, does she guide them into understanding what she wants them to understand? So she, in particular, I think usually people will say their intention, but she in particular got, she was a little confused. Like, and it's interesting actually, because what you said about, like, anyone's got it type of thing is that she, on paper, is very impressive, and she's showing these pieces, and then when you actually sit down and talk with her, this very informal thing, she's, like, very, um self-doubting, not sure, you know, and it was really heartwarming to see that. I mean, and she knew she didn't have to impress the people there, you know, it was, we're all there together. Um, And so she was like, you know what, I'm kind of confused and I want you to um, give me your thoughts first, Um, which was really cool to see what other people got from it. Um, And so people started responding to it and showing how the sculptures had, even though they weren't human form but they had a lot of like personality and all of a sudden you see that and and so I just I love that about how there's like the art we know how to respond to and then there's the process where we don't even know what's going on or we don't think we like it and then you sit with it for a while and you see what other people like and then it transforms right that's true I mean it's funny how you know, if you're with a group of people that allow themselves to sit with anything for a while, whether it be like artisanal, you know, coffee or whatever, yeah, you know, like everybody gets it eventually. <laughs> and then you come across the really cranky person that, you know, right. can barely afford a cup or whereas like, you know, asking you for change for a cup and they'll just be like, right. You know, F you, who are you making you're sitting here appreciating coffee? I have to get back to work, you know? Right. Um, and I always thought that there's got to be some kind of like utilitarian bridge between mm-hmm. art and, and well. I think a lot of it, though, is yeah. also education. Because I find. But there's got to be, we, yeah. we emphasize so much how art is like from the soul and it's right. not, you know, it's not in the head and so forth. So to say that a lot of it is education is almost shooting your shooting art in the foot. Um, yes <laughs> Sorry, and no. Art. Some art <laughs> okay. I think does transcend, but you see throughout the different periods when new artists would come, mm-hmm. you know, the obvious thing is like impressionism and sure. people thought it was junk. Right. You know, people were not responding. There was one person who like really collected all of the art and was like, this is going to be big one day. I'm going to sell it, you know, and it took so many years before people actually started responding to it. Um, well, are they responding or are they just, Educated. <laughs> so now they know that they're supposed to respond, but are they responding? Well, I think that through the education, you start to respond. Like, because I think a lot of times... Um, Can you tell I'm really uptight about this? <laughs> <laughs> it's a big discussion. I think yeah. it's both. I think it's both. But I think the art that we respond to now mm-hmm. is different because of the education, whether it's formal or a little informal, where you start, you overhear an artist saying, this was my intention. You know, you overhear 
with Impressionists, they're saying, um, oh, we really wanted to, we don't want to talk about all these other things. We want to talk about light. And, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I never thought about light or I never thought about, you know, creating these inanimate objects that have personality. And all of a sudden you're thinking about it differently. Um, so a lot of what we say now and why we respond to art is because of what other people have said before us. Um, but so, it's also circumstantial, like, you know, I mean, I mean, this is sort of like the most basic of examples, but once art was no longer necessary as a, as a form of, you know, record keeping, so to speak, um, once photography came around and so forth and it needed another purpose. So it really changed form, um, you know, like realistic portraiture or, drawing kids that were, you know, perfectly morphed combinations of their parents' features. Like, was just, it was no longer necessary because there were other um, ways to do that. Right. Um, And I know this is like, why can't I pick something a little more recent? Sorry, I'm blanking out. But, um, yeah, some of it is circumstantial. Some of it is conceptual. But um, it is education, but some of it is just stuff that you absorb. Like, if you feel like thinking about light that day and all of a sudden you see impressionist painting and because light is on your mind, you're like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, then that's like a different experience than learning it in a classroom. And then it doesn't have to be a classroom. You know, um, reading it, what? reading <laughs> it or overhearing it. I right. mean, the things that even our vernacular or even our language for why, why is art important? You know, when I ask high school students, why is art important? They can say all these things that have only really come about in the last 10 years that they've, uh, there's so much that's absorbed through osmosis, through hearing other people say things. What, you know, art is, I was just hearing something recently of, oh, of, um, I think it was um, the person who did emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. He really, really championed the idea of getting into the flow. That's what I was listening to. Oprah's Super Soul, you know, sessions. Cool. Amazing podcast. Nice. I I think I talk about Oprah in every every cast. <laughs> I well, didn't notice that, but right. yeah, love. But now Oprah. I should listen. To <laughs> um, anyways, and then she had the person on like Coleman, I think, who who really, really brought forth this idea of emotional intelligence, which now is like so obvious again. It's like, the idea of like these things are so obvious, but have to be brought out. So, mm-hmm. so she was saying that he really pushed the idea of the flow. Which to us is so obvious. Yeah, we all talk about it. The high schoolers talk about it. And it's not like someone sat them down and said, there's this concept, the flow. But they overhear people saying it and and it comes through to them, you know? Right. And why... And but also wh- the flow is something you can't fake. You know what I mean? Like art appreciation, you can fake that really well. <laughs> but the flow is something you can't. Like you might know about it and then recognize it when it comes about, but you can't really f- fake being in the flow so much. It's not that, but I'm saying when people understand, I'm just saying how these things come through osmosis, the high schoolers, all they say, it's important to like, we get in, when I say you got to get into the flow, they get that. Why do they get that? Because in the last whatever, 20 years, that's become a thing, you know? So I'm saying, so I'm just saying like, you're right that with impressionism, like, I, I think there's a lot of things going on, but with impressionism, yeah, it did come about because of Photography, you know, people are like, okay, we don't need a now, yeah, you know, render people exactly. Yeah. But of course, why would people not, you know, why did it take longer for them, you know, like for Rothko to like be obsessed with color? Like, you know, 300 years ago, why aren't people obsessed with color and thinking it appropriate to explain it in a certain way? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's so obvious, you know, but it wasn't, it was that it takes, it takes a while for these things to, 
become appreciated. And, and I have to, I feel like I have to educate these students, like, why is this interesting? You know? And they're like, so we have these crits and they're like, the high schoolers, they're like, mm-hmm. um, I like your, uh, <laughs> that color, you know, I'm like, but what about the movement? And now that, right. that's the thing they've never thought about. What does it mean movement? Right. Sorry, I'm talking a lot, you know? That's no, good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you're going to get your own podcast or not. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> um, but, like, so we respond to paintings because of movement, but until someone tells you it's because of movement, you're not going to know why you respond to it, and then you're not going to know how to create. Nice. Okay, that's good. I like that. So we're both right. <laughs> we're both right. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> I know. What do we do? <laughs> um, I want to no, talk about yeah. community. You're um, uh, all right. You want to go into that? <laughs> Another duke, duke it out. Right. <laughs> don't, don't cross But I'm so happy out. right now. I don't want to go anywhere. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, community. So, yeah, I guess what we, when you asked me what um, we should talk about right before we started, um, I, I mentioned how a lot of talks a lot about how, um, you know, how creative community is so important. Just, you know, be supported and. Um, all the uh, connections that get made and um, true, mm-hmm. <laughs> right a lot. Um, I also think that um, the stuff that you figure out without a community, mm-hmm. um, whether it be, you know, when you're in the flow, mm-hmm. <laughs> like how I use that, see what I did there? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be in the flow or, you know, if you're in anguish, just trying to figure something out and you can't, and then finally you do, or, you know, to a certain extent or fully. Um, I think that's also really, really important towards creativity. And um, in a way, just like being comfortable in mm-hmm. in anything, you know, sort of takes away from your creativity. I feel like sometimes community is that buffer and that comfort zone that takes away from creativity. Um, not always, <laughs> but I feel like there's a value towards not being supported. Guys, I'm not saying not to support me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be asking for your support at the end of the podcast. <laughs> but, um, but I just feel like there is, there is value in developing things on your own. Um, uh, mm-hmm. somebody, Somebody put me in touch with somebody else, another artist, and um, I, I got this email that was saying um, I'm looking to put together um, like a collaborative of is that a collaborative as a mm-hmm. noun or just collaboration? Collaboration, like like an art. Uh, what's the co-op? word? Co-op. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> just a group of artists right, right, right. who are seeking to do art, quote unquote, differently. Okay. Um, a group of Jewish artists who are seeking to, uh, right. you know, put stuff, different stuff out there. Right. Um, you know, would you be interested in joining me and this other person and so forth? And, um, and I just, and I'm not saying that my answer is the right answer, but I wrote back, you know, saying like, well, if we all band together, then what's what's to say that what's going to make us different? <laughs> like. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, okay. Rivka was just looking at me with furrowed <laughs> brow <laughs> and the sigh you probably heard. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot to dissect. Okay. <laughs> um, this is a problem of like talking about something ahead of time and then trying to pretend like you're being natural about it again. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I think, um. I think there's a lot there. Um, I guess my question is, number one, with the last example, 
why, even if you band together, because obviously... Well, band together for the purpose of being different. Right. Okay. But wouldn't you agree, though, that... And that's, I think, the question is that it's either in a community you become uniform Mm -hmm. or you become stronger with your differences. You know what I'm saying? Is that you can shine more differently, but united as a community. That would be nice, but does that happen? Um, I, mean, I, I so I so guess I, in Havria, like, um, yeah, I guess probably Havria. That's that's like your rally cry, right? <laughs> like all the <laughs> no, we, not, no. Like, what was the original slogan? Like the home for the, crave juice? No, oh. um, the thing with the weird in it that you ended up changing. The word oh, weird in it. oh, I did do something with weirdos. There you go. So yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. that's. <laughs> um, okay, so I mean, I think this is. Touching on, it seems like different approaches to creativity and also the fears of what can happen, in my opinion. Okay. Um, I was just talking about this lesson actually with Alad that as I'm starting to teach, I've had to do a new affirmation for myself. I got really into affirmations like a month ago, Susie Orman. <laughs> She's awesome. Anyways, so I realized that I get this fear when I'm teaching of, well, if I teach everything I know, mm-hmm. then they're going to do what I do and then I'm not going to be special as an artist, Right. <sighs> And and I think it's really important with creativity that there's this idea of there's an infiniteness within creativity because right. we get very into like scarcity. So um, so the idea being that if I teach other people, I'm gonna number one learn from teaching them. They're gonna teach me other things when they're and they're gonna do other and I have to believe that through sharing with others all of us are going to get better. Like my art's going to get better. Their art's going to get better, but it's not going to be the same. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Is that, so I think, but I'm going to get strengthened and like, yeah, they might take some of my ideas, but maybe number one, it'll encourage me to get more ideas. Right. You know? Because you're not settling on what it is that makes you different necessarily. You're just like, okay, well I did that and now I'm going to move on and that's going to be a new different. Right. But I do think I have, I have a certain style, mm-hmm. you know? So what if I teach that style? What if I teach all my ideas about like movement and pattern and rhythm and then everyone does that and you know right. what I'm saying? Like there can be that fear unless you believe that through like that, through getting together, mm-hmm. your own self strengthens and their own self strengthens, but doesn't that we're intrinsically individual, like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. feel like creativity gets eaten by, you know, by being put in, right. into a community. Right. I just feel like it becomes like I don't. I just feel weird about touting it as different. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't feel like it's a bad thing to to join a creative community. Right. 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 Um, I, I just feel it's weird to hold the banner of we're different. That's all. Meaning, um, I think what makes us, what makes anybody different, is just that they're, they're struggling with something or trying to fix something or trying to connect something. Right. Um, once that connection has been made, then you're going to be trying to fix or connect something else. Right. Um, but if you band together with the purpose of saying we are going to try and fix or connect this one thing, um, we're going to do it differently, how long can it stay different? Once you fix it, it's fixed. It's great. Once you made that connection and you feel like it's adequate, then that's great. You're done. Move on. Right. Well, I guess it depends, I guess, what you mean by 
we're going to do it differently. Like, I don't think when... You know what's cool? This is also an infinite conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I see that graph of, like, going towards infinity. Um, So, like, I think with Hevria, the point isn't to be different. Like, I think... I think... There's a whole discussion about what I was more talking about the person that sent me the email. Okay, okay. Um, Because I think ideally, if people are really pushing themselves, Mm. um, they're going to continue. It's going to just become more and more and more. So, like, I don't feel like you can't experience anguish just because you're part of a loving community. But I think it's harder to push yourself when you feel that some other people might help you do the pushing. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean? If I, what what do you mean by pushing yourself? Let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that one of the things you're saying about being creative community is if you're if you're connected already, you feel supported. You're not going to go into those places of the loneliness or the anguish. Not as much. But I would argue is that you can still feel those. It might not be related to. Like you, you might experience it in different ways, but you're supported enough to actually make something beautiful from that that can talk about loneliness and anguish. Like, um, because you might not feel loneliness and anguish from your friends, but you might experience it in other ways. Um, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, um, I always think of the scenario of where someone, let's say, is going through something major, like right. the loss of a loved one or something that just feels, or, or loss of a job or something that feels incredibly okay. Yeah. And then some evangelist will come to them and be like, everything is for a reason. Right. This will also pass. Right. And somebody's going to get smacked, right? Right. So that's kind of how I feel about you can make, like, some some of, not I'm not going to smack you, I swear. Right, but, right, right, right. <laughs> but that's how I feel about part of this conversation. Where it's like, yeah, you can make something beautiful um, out of, you know, anguish in a community setting. Right. Um, and you can talk about it. But is there still going to be a segue between that, you know, where that anguish came from and the solution that you purportedly found for it? I'm not sure. I feel like maybe it could be severed. Like once you're, you're in the community, you're different. Is the forget, uh, <laughs> I can't say forget Havria because I'm on a Havria podcast. No, I'm not really talking about Havria. I'm talking yeah. about like in general. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. I'm trying to follow you. Yeah. All right. No, I'm talking about in general the notion yeah. of um, of just community and be, being part of a creative community, whether it's Havria or right. anything else. Right. Just the notion of being supported in general. Right. Um, versus going solo and like right. not knowing where you belong in the right. scheme of things. Right. Um, that's what I'm talking about. So, and um, I, yeah, I'm trying to follow because like if you're supported, then like what happens? Then what doesn't? There are things that you can do, and there are things that um, there are sort of you know um, salves to your pain so to speak or, or or solutions to the things that you're trying to solve that are not available to you when you're going solo um so the just the solution is going to be different and if you ever and and it's just going to be different than what mm. you come up with can you when, give, when you are going solo like a more be less abstract <laughs> yeah are you able to give like yeah. a specific personal example of where you feel like it's it's more helpful to not be as 
or like what what in particular are you thinking about like in terms of like say with Hevria that you feel like I'm just curious Wait, why with Hevria I on, honestly like podcasts I love that so much I I do read you know things that get posted and articles yeah, 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 yeah. and. and Facebook and stuff, but not as much. So this is by no means a critique of Fabria. Okay, but yeah, I guess I'm just curious of because you are talking about. And I'm not community. saying it's even bad. I'm yeah. just saying but the other have, side is yeah. good too, and it's its own entity, like doing things on your own without the support of a creative community. I'm not. I'm not saying creative community is bad. Not at all. It's it's mm-hmm. really good. I just. Uh-huh. I just think it's different. Can you get an example of your own life of something where it was more helpful to be not connected to the community? Um, okay, yeah. Um, when I was in my teens, I went on um, a program called Nisia, mm-hmm. Um and it was like a Jewish art program, um, summer program in Israel. And um, so there, you know, you have the creative community, and... Um, like you were talking about the critiques, the crits. Um, I just remember all of a sudden being able to like appreciate everything, mm-hmm. like not just the worth that what I created had, but you know everything that everybody mm-hmm. else created also, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and when I got home, um, you know I was up against having to prove everything mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. and um, for. And again, this might just be, you know, my experience. It's not universal, but um, for a short period of time, I just absolutely could not function in my native environment. Mm, mm-hmm. um, like, I just could not. <laughs> right, right. And um, and that was something that I needed to do. So it wasn't like it gave me, I don't know that it really gave me strength. And the funny thing was that when I met up with those people um, later on, you know, under, you know, various scenarios and stuff, and I would just tell them things about my life. Strangely, some of those things, they just, they like couldn't take it. Mm. <laughs> they like just literally shut me down as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I know that itself mm. is also abstract and I prefer not to like get into it. But the point is that mm. it was another situation where like these worlds do not collide in some way. Mm. And it was very disappointing to me because I also wanted to believe um, at the time that this acceptance would give me strength and it didn't. And yeah. So, and again, I know this is not a universal experience at all. I'm just saying that there is, um, Mm -hmm. there is value also to developing things on your own. I hear what you're saying. I mean, to me, it kind of feels like you're saying that, um, each person needs to have their own walls, their own, beliefs their own armor their own yeah you know like that even if you go into a place where you feel totally accepted you have to be able to leave that place and go into the real world where you're not accepted is that kind of what you're saying also is that that, like i mean it's not all about developing armor for sure not right you know but but the things that we create or do or whatever in response to whatever environment that we're in that's that's actually like that's the art that's the creativity you know, and um, the more the more we feel that we're up ag- against something, yeah. Um, the more we create, I feel. Um, or even if it's like you know internal, right? Or busts right. out eventually, right? I hear um, you're saying. Yeah, I, no, I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. So it's not that the creative community, 
the creative community is not the end all of it can't be the end all of your life. Yeah, there you go. The and end all is <laughs> the key so word there. So you're <laughs> all about like this is very like you know capitalistic, you know, like, going back into. <laughs> yeah, we the haven't world. even like spoken about the Jewish stuff at all. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and she's Jewish, and that is it. <laughs> I hear you're saying yes. Okay, so go on into the capitalistic thing. <laughs> no, I mean it's a whole you know it's a whole um, you know the Chabad idea about like. Being able, the point of this world is to take all those lofty things but bring it down into reality, right? Okay, yeah. So it's like, yeah. So, like, obviously, the community is important. You go in there and you feel heard and you're able to, you know, your art can flourish through being connected with that community. I mean, but Mm -hmm. you also have to go into the real world and also the art might come from the real world also. Like, it's kind of a connection. The real world, I guess, is like contentious. Term right, like what is real? Um, and every is this utopia. We should all become members too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you agree with that kind of a little bit that idea? I think so. I'm so honored to have <laughs> this is an unexpected agreement. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we probably have almost hit time, but I'd love for you to kind of um, talk about your new thing that's going on. Okay. Um, so. Uh, I am going to be the creative director of um, a feature animated film, um, and we're in the beginning stages of creating it. Um, um, I got this isn't like a solo project. I was found by someone and told that I would make a good creative director. So I'm really wow davening that that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is. Um, it's called Milkweed. It's based on. Uh, young adult novel by Jerry Spinelli. Mm, I love Jerry Spinelli. Maniac McGee. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um it's uh wow. it's about cool. it's about the Holocaust, but the kind of amazing thing about this story is um the main character is a little gypsy boy um who is just like a very happy go lucky kid. The he's he's very small so he's good at sort of like he steals things basically um doesn't have a family um he attaches himself to a jewish family mm-hmm. and you know ultimately kind of becomes involved in the whole warsaw ghetto um situation the really cool thing about this story is that um because the holocaust is so hard to approach obviously like i'm you know i'm i'm sitting here in a comfortable studio like who am i you know to talk about it but um it's it's uh it's kind of useful to have you know a, a dissonance. Mm-hmm. So we when we speak about the Holocaust, we talk about it with you know like a reverence for the horror, mm-hmm. and um, because that distance exists in in the retelling, it's kind of hard for kids who have maybe not you know met a Holocaust survivor, or have not had it like retold in their family, or even those that have to kind of yeah. relate to it, because it's just one emotion, this one dimensional thing of mm-hmm. like the horror and you know how could this be done and like should we be fearful or should we just focus on like being comfortable right now in the here and now and this story literally spans like the full gamut of emotions like it's it's almost like criminal to say in the context of the holocaust but there are parts of the story that are just hilariously funny Mm. there's you know obviously there's you know sad there's just lots of weirdness there's just everything wow how long is this 
The book? I mean, I read it in one in one sitting, and it was... Oh, the movie or the yeah, book? Yeah, I mean, the, how long is the book going to... Uh, the movie, um, the movie going to be... It's, it's only going to be about 45 minutes long. That's um, long, though, and yeah. apparently we're going, like, you know, the aim is not the festival circuit, but schools. Wow. So, um, so yeah, well, uh, we're, we're launching our sort of initial um, crowdfunding effort f- oh. uh, to, to get us through the initial stages of... Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking out on words. <laughs> um, pre-production, I don't know. <laughs> no, not even pre-production. I'm just drawing. You know, yeah, this drawing is embarrassing. <laughs> Story- <laughs> Storyboarding. Oh my goodness, this is why I'm not the animation director. <laughs> I'm the creative director. <laughs> you don't need. You don't need to know. You just go for it. You know. Um, no, I, I do need to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're doing the initial storyboarding and um, the voiceovers and and you know. Um, sort of the initial stages of movie production. So um, if anybody is interested in, you know, following or donating, um, you can visit milkweedthemovie.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook under Milkweed the Movie. Um, And you can also follow me individually. (laughs) I'm under Anita Sobel Works um, on Facebook and Instagram. It's my name with works w o r k s attached um and uh it's com for the website and um thanks so much for having me amazing thank you for being and thank here thank you for having this awesome conversation yeah, this was good all right thank you so much thanks thank you for listening to hivria cast i'm aladna harai if you'd like to hear more and read more of our work You can follow us by going to hevria.com or facebook.com slash hevriamag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City. And the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again.